Welcome to Socialette, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in launching and online marketing. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a corporate dropout turned launch strategist, helping you launch your digital products simply and successfully so you can reach more people, grow your audience, and become the go-to brand in your space. Want to swipe my signature launch framework? Download my free ebook, The Complete Roadmap for a Killer Launch at stephtaylor.co forward slash roadmap. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hey, welcome to Socialette. This is episode 264. Now, today's podcast guest is somebody who I met over at Tyler J. McCall's event in LA in January. And it was kind of a weird coincidence. Like we were chatting at, I think it was the cocktail party before the event kicked off. And we were talking about like, oh, like, what do you do? What do you do? And I, I met Tasha and she said that they offer launch support for business owners. And I was like, oh my gosh, somebody else who loves launching as much as I do. So we geeked out a little bit about launching and it was cool. And in today's episode, we're chatting about how you can start to outsource in your launches. So why you might choose to, you know, bring some external support in and get a few things off your plate so that you can stay in your zone of genius, where to start doing that and how you can avoid making a lot of the common mistakes that Tasha sees people who are new to launching making. So without any further ado, I would like to welcome today's podcast guest, Tasha Booth from the Launch Guild. Hi, Tasha. Welcome to Socialette. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It was so incredibly lovely meeting you at Tyler McCall's event in LA. And it it was just one of those weird synchronicities when you meet somebody who does something so similar to what you do, but yet so different. And I love that we both just absolutely geek out on launching. So I'm really looking forward to chatting a little bit about launching today. But first, I would love to know, what does the Launch Guild do? Yes. So the Launch Guild is an online business management and course launch support agency. So at last count, my team is a team of 22, wow. uh, both yeah, employees and contractors. And we have everybody on our team from project managers to online business managers, admin, tech BAs, Facebook ad strategists, graphic designers, everything that everyone that you would need for a launch so that we can really help our clients holistically on their launches. I love that. So what made you start the Launch Guild? So I was actually a solo VA. Um, I did it part-time at first and then I went full-time. And a lot of my clients were coaches and course creators. And I kept yeah. seeing the need anytime that they had a new launch, we'd have to go out, you know, search for these contractors for either graphic design or something, hope that they were the right fit. And sometimes they weren't. And it just took up a lot of time and attention that we didn't have when we were in the process of launching. So my goal was to kind of fill the need that I saw and bring everyone in and me be able to be the one vetting them and hiring them so that we can kind of get the ball rolling instead of having to worry about if these are the right fit people. Yeah. Oh, there's such a need for that. And honestly, until before I met you, I didn't even realize that it like launch support was a thing because I've had so many people say like, I want to launch something, but the tech scares me or, you know, like I just don't even know where to start. And I come in from that high level strategy perspective, but you guys are doing the nitty gritty. And I love that. I'd love to know, Tasha, I'd love to know what's your favorite thing about launching? 
Oh, I just love all the moving parts. So I am, yeah, I'm somebody that just loves diving in. And whereas some people get overwhelmed and stressed out over launches, like that's just, that's my zone of genius. That's where I come alive and I love seeing all the moving parts and everything work together. I love that. Yeah. See, I I like the moving parts, but I like the strategy a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on this podcast, I talk a lot about the importance of the 90 days leading up to your launch. And <laughs> my listeners are probably sick of hearing it coming from me, but I'd love to hear from you. Why do you think that a launch runway is so incredibly important in any launch? Yeah, I think it's hugely important because there's always going to be something that comes up. I've never had a launch that we look back on and we're like, that worked perfectly. Everything worked when it was supposed to, nothing was, you know, behind. And so you want to give yourself that breathing room to really be able to put yourself in the best possible light and in the best possible scenario to have success in your launch. And that means taking the time to not only create a project plan, but then be able to really take a second and third and fourth look at it to make sure that you've, you know, Mm -hmm. shorn up all the holes and to make sure that you have the proper people and everything in place for your launch. So the more time you can give yourself to really be intentional about having all of those things in place and also having everything scheduled ahead of time, the better that you can really (laughs) show up as yourself during the actual launch week instead of worrying about like scheduling social and writing emails, right? Yeah, that's so interesting. So when I talk about like the pre-launch runway, I talk about, you know, like having your marketing planned ahead of time, but you're coming at it from that perspective of having everything ready to go when it comes to launch day. So what sort of things other than just having like your social posts and your emails scheduled, what else would you say that people need to have ready to go like a month before, two months before? Yeah. So I think um, the biggest thing is just knowing who's doing what. A lot of times what I see, especially as I get onto larger teams and everything, is the fact that a lot of times we'll get people that say, oh, I assumed so-and-so is doing something, right? Uh And so on our team, we have the rule like, take assumption, take the word assumption out of your vocabulary, like know who's going to do it. And if you don't, if you can't look at the project plan or look at the launch plan and know exactly who's responsible for it, then assume that like nobody's responsible for it and you need to speak up and have somebody responsible for it. So that's a really important and key part. I think a lot of the, like a lot of just, you know, the tagging, we forget, we forget sometimes, you know, how many different tags there are in making sure that people are getting the products and and the, the bonuses and everything that you promised them. So taking the, just the time to do all of that as far as you can so that you don't have to worry about that as it gets closer to launch time. Yeah, let's take a step back because I think a lot of my listeners won't quite know what you meant by the tagging there. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. Sorry. Yeah, so the tagging is basically like in the in the background of your launch, um, in your like either the email marketing campaigns that you create or something. Um, what we can do is tag people for specific things. So for example, I'm going through a launch right now and we have like an early bird bonus, right? So those people that are purchasing right now are being tagged in the background as early bird. So I don't have to have a separate spreadsheet that says like (laughs) so-and-so purchased on this date, right? My In the back end of my system, it'll tell me. And then that way, when I'm ready to send them that bonus, I just say, okay, everybody that has this early bird tag, send them this email about their bonus. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't, it doesn't have to, like, it sounds kind of scary, but it actually isn't that hard to tag people. Like for me, the biggest one is if you're doing a webinar, 
the people who attended live versus the people who didn't attend right. live. Exactly. Like that's so important because yeah. you don't want to be, you know, like you don't want to have the same content in your emails to those people. So right. anyway, I'd love to know, Tasha, what other big mistakes do you see your clients and new entrepreneurs making with their launches? I think making them too complicated in the beginning. So everybody mm. sees like, you know, Amy Porterfield and James <laughs> Wedmore and all the big names. And of course we want to emulate their launches, but we have to remember that they have hundreds of thousands of thousands of dollars, you know, in ad spend yeah. and in 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 spend that they can just spend on team and all of these costs. And so it's okay not to have like a downsell and an upsell and all of those other things, especially when it's your first or second time doing it. Just just figure out like what is the core that your audience needs and deliver that really, really well and then strip away all the extras. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. I think overcomplicating it, it just leads to overwhelm and yes. not taking action and oh, not a good place to be. And exactly. then with regards to like the pre-launch runways, what mistakes do you see people making there? Um, I think a lot of times not keying into their audience and not talking to their audience all the time. So what I mean by that, and I use this example recently, and I, I think it's like, you know, it's one that people understand is like, we all have that relative that like only seems to come around when they need something, whether that's like $20 or whether they need like, you know, help moving or that friend that always only comes around when they need something. Yeah. We don't want to be that person to our audience. And so it's really important that you're not just talking to your audience when you're about to launch or, you know, I see so many people like get tired after their launches and then they, they just go away and like the cart closes and you don't hear from them for another four months until they're ready to launch again. And that doesn't really feel good as a consumer, nope. right? <laughs> exactly. So we want to make sure that we're having conversations that we're creating really great and valuable content for our listeners all the time so that we're really like keeping them as a warm audience throughout, uh, whether it's, you know, during our launch or whether we're, when we're not launching. Yeah. I can't like, I cannot stress how important it is. Like even, even just like one email a fortnight to your list is yes. better than going completely silent. Cause then when you launch again, they're going to be like, well, who the heck is this person? Yeah, I can't remember them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's so much noise in the online space that yeah. the people that cut through the noise are those that are consistent. Like there's some people, they come into my inbox and I'm like, I didn't hear from you for like four months and now you want me to buy something again. Like that, yeah, that doesn't feel good. And also, I mean, it takes a long time to nurture somebody from being a lead, from downloading like your free ebook or whatever it is to actually being ready to buy from you. And I feel like not emailing them, not creating content for them in that time when you're not launching, you're missing out. There's such a big opportunity there to educate them, to start building that trust, that connection. So that when you are ready to launch, they're like, okay, here's my credit card. Exactly. <laughs> Not exactly. quite like that, but you yeah. know, like they're, they're ready to buy from you at that point. Yeah. And I looked back when I um, had my launch for my newest course, which was about uh, last October or so I had that launch. Mm -hmm. And I looked back and so many people on my list had been on my list for almost a year before mm -hmm. they were ready to buy from me, you know? And so if I had gone radio silent for that entire year, I think I would have had a di very different launch experience. Exactly. And it, it gets to the point almost where people are saying, well, how can I buy from you? 
And then you're like, well, I'm launching this, but you can't buy it just yet. Exactly. And that builds that suspense. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, okay. So you guys at the Launch Guild, you run parts of people's launches for them. What parts do people typically outsource to you? So a lot of times it's the back end. It's all the tech pieces. They can really outsource basically anything other than creating their course. So we do everything other than creating their course. But a lot of times it's the tech pieces. And then the other pieces that people come to us for are the design. So like their sales page, their um, their webinar pages and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then also their copywriting is another big one because yeah. I think people get into it and then they don't realize like how many emails they're going to be writing and, you know, <laughs> yep. all like, and they get overwhelmed really quickly. So what ends up happening a lot of times is people will say no to the copywriting piece at first mm-hmm. when I present the proposal. And then like a few weeks later, they're like, um, I changed my mind. Can you like, send, <laughs> can you send me like the invoice for the copy? And I, oh, I understand because, you know, it is a big, big expense, but it's yeah. one of those things that number one, you want to make sure that you get right so that you're, you're coming across and you're able to verbalize what, why your program and why your course is so important to people and why people need it. But number two, like there's other things that you're going to need to be doing, like building your course. And so it's just another thing to do, right? So when you say you, people outsource basically everything except the course creation, do they outsource their webinars to you as well? So they outsource sometimes not, not creating or not creating the webinars, but actually yeah. the webinar slides and stuff. Yeah. We, we'll do their slide deck and design their whole slide deck for them. But they still present the webinar. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for yeah. My but we do a lot of, yeah. <laughs> for People my listeners are like, who are thinking I'm, like, they don't have to do a webinar? Like amazing. <laughs> yeah. But we do a lot of webinar support where we're on the webinar with them. And so like that way they can, you know, concentrate on their webinar and we're, we're there in the background, like putting in the links for things and stuff. So they don't have to worry about that part. Yeah. Like picking out the questions so that yeah. when it's time for the Q&A, you're not missing any questions. Because that's the exactly. hardest part, I reckon. Staying, like, staying on top of all the questions, not getting sidetracked, staying focused. Okay. So Tasha, I'd love to know why should someone who's new to launching consider outsourcing parts of their launch? I think that you want to make sure that you are as much in your zone of genius, especially during your launch Mm. in your launch week as possible. So the more you can get ahead of it and not be overwhelmed by it, the better. There are so many people that I see that have such amazing ideas, but I'm sure you see this too, that like, you know, they, they don't execute on their ideas for months or even years at a time because one part of it scares them. And I want people to think about it from the other other side of like people need what you are creating and what you've, you know, thought up. And if yeah. the fear of the tech or not being able to do the tech or not being able to do the design is stopping you from starting, then it's way easier just to, you know, spend the couple thousand dollars or whatever to get support and actually get your product out there to the people that need it. Exactly. I love that you talk about staying in your zone of genius because I feel like that's just so important. I'd love to, like from your perspective, what does it look like when somebody's working inside their zone of genius versus outside of their zone of genius? Yeah. So I like to think of it as like in flow versus out of flow. Like when you're in flow, you know, everything just feels like, not that it always feels easy, but it feels good. And you feel like you have um, you're, you're exactly in the center of what you're supposed to be doing. 
versus just feeling frazzled and feeling like you're out of your element. And that's a lot of times what people come to us feeling like they're, you know, they're out of their element and they're like, I've been trying to figure this out on my own for so long and I'm still not able to do it. Um, so when, once that is lifted, then you can really like talk to your audience and focus on your audience and doing that thing that lights you up and the thing that made you start your business in the beginning in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Cause we didn't spend, we didn't decide to start our businesses so we could spend hours in the back end, you know, setting exactly. up subscriber tags in our email marketing tools. And I feel like sometimes it also shows up as procrastination when oh, you're just absolutely. like when you're putting off, you know, writing those sales emails, it's probably because it's not in your zone of genius and somebody yeah. else should do it. So yeah. I love that. So if somebody decides then that, okay, they want to start outsourcing parts of their launch, where is the very first place that they should start? Like what's the first step? Yeah. I think the first step is thinking in terms of number one, what is your budget? Mm -hmm. Um, and then number two, what are the things that feel the heaviest? Right. Um, so for a lot of people that is going to be the tech piece that feels the heaviest, but maybe you're a person who absolutely loves tech and you just hate writing. So maybe the emails are going to be the thing that you outsource. So figure, figure those two things out, your budget and what feels the heaviest and try to get somebody to support you in that, that piece first. Do you have any tips for those of us who might be control freaks? Because oh, <laughs> I struggle to let go and I know a lot of my listeners probably do as well. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a control freak too. And I struggle to, I even struggle to let go in my own launches. Like I've tried to, you know, give some of the stuff to my team and, and it's still hard for me too, you know, but at the same time, I just want everybody to remember like what your reason for launching is. And it's Mm -hmm. not to do those other things. It's to show up for your audience. And so you can't really do that when you're also trying to do all the things. I agree. And uh, it's like, do you, how often do you see people who come to you, want to work with you, but then you have to like pull the tasks from them? Does that happen quite often? Yes, it does happen. And you know, not so much in launches, because I think by the time people come to us for launches, they are at the point of where they're like, please help me. Like, I know that I don't know what I'm doing. A lot of times they've either tried it, you know, so for so long themselves or it's their second or third launch. And they're just like, you know, my last launch was successful, but in the back end, it was a catastrophe. Like I hated every minute of it and they want a different launch experience. Um, but I see that actually more so in like the ongoing, like support that we offer, like, because we also do like online business management and and virtual support Mm. services, like ongoing. And a lot of those clients, they just, either have a really hard time giving up tasks because they feel like, you know, for their inbox management, for example, like if I'm not the person to answer the the email, people will, you know, understand or they'll be mad or whatever. But just like understanding that, that there are going, as your business grows, there's just going to be things that you can't handle on your own anymore. And that's okay. And it's okay to get support for those things. I feel like that's a story that we tell ourselves, you know, like, oh, my clients won't understand if I'm not replying to their emails. So whereas they probably do understand, they're probably like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad she's not wasting her time in her inbox. I'm glad she's actually, you know, working on client work, creating things, launching things. Yeah. 
And I also think that it's the way that you present it too. Like I know that for, for my business on the coaching side, I always talk about like, oh, my team and I will respond to you, you know, Mm -hmm. so that people understand it may not be me that actually responds to their email. And now so many people, like when they respond to emails that I've sent out, they'll say like, Hey, Tasha and team, you know, like they, they totally get it. And, and yeah, I totally, I, I agree with you that it's a story that we tell ourselves and a belief that like, we're the only person that can do it. But I had two of my coaches one time said like, Tasha, you're not that special. Like you can, you can hire people (laughs) who can help you. I know. And at first it was an ouch. And then it was like, oh, it's just my ego getting in the way and creating this story, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it was really helpful, even though at first it was, it was definitely an ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see, do you see any other like common mindset struggles, mindset blocks that show up when people start to first outsource to you guys? Um, not so much in the outsourcing. I think that the sales part of it is always a mindset block, Mm -hmm. right? Like how we approach selling. And I think that that was a really hard one for me when I first started doing my, my courses, just in terms of like, like just being able to articulate and not rush through the whole sale, especially on a webinar, you know, you've given all this value. (laughs) And then like, at first I would rush through the end and people yeah. would be like, wait, what are you even selling? You know, so just taking my time and and knowing that like I have a, a viable product that people need. And it, it's not just that. It's like your product's helping people, right? Exactly. exactly. So by rushing through it, you're not doing them any favors because exactly. you're not giving them enough time to actually understand how this is going to solve their problems. And yeah, like it's <laughs> it's something I dealt with a lot as well. And it's it's probably such a common one that I see too. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to know just before we move into like the wrap up questions, I would love to know if there are any other mistakes that you see newbies making with their launches that we haven't already covered. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any others that I can think of. I think the biggest thing is just taking on too much and trying to trying to do it in you know a way just because they saw it that way saw it done that way i want people to i want to really encourage people to create their own paths and to like figure out what what feels good for them in terms of how they show up in the online space and in terms yeah. of how they sell too so don't be you know don't be afraid to be yourself and also really really show up in your launches and what i mean by really showing up is make sure that like you've got everything already scheduled social media wise and email wise so that you can show up on Facebook lives, maybe, yes. you know, like answer people's questions and DMs, do all those things that like, if you're writing emails during your launch, you're just going to get bogged down. Yeah. And I also feel like if you get into the launch and it's not going as well as you want it to, then you think, Oh, there's no point me writing this email or like, there's no yeah. point putting up the social post. Or if you do put them up, it's, you know, it's like low energy and, people can kind of get that vibe that you're not really that into it anymore. Yeah. So I yeah. And that's agree. actually a really, really good point. I think one of the mistakes that people um, make is, is thinking that just because a launch didn't go exactly as they wanted it, maybe, you know, your revenue wasn't as high as you wanted it, your first launch or whatever, that it's something that you should throw away. No, like the people that have made the most money and been the most successful in their courses are those who have 
done it and then refined it and then launched again. And so don't give up until, first of all, don't give up, but definitely like during your launch, like keep going until the very end, like until that card is actually closed, keep going and don't lose that momentum. Yeah, for sure. So many people sit on the fence until that last day and then they're like, oh, like this is my last chance to join. I'd better sign up now. Yeah. Exactly. Before I miss out forever. Exactly. Uh, do you do you guys do also like the metrics and the reporting and all of that after a launch? We sure do. Yeah, we that's, do a whole yeah, wrap that's up good. Yeah, afterwards. Well, yeah, and because even, you know, if they're going to work with us again in their next launch or if they're going to do it on their own in their mm. next launch, we want to make sure that they have all the data so that they're not reinventing the wheel. They can start from a place of data next time and make it better and bigger. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's so important. And it's just, I, I feel like that's probably the most overlooked part of a launch when somebody's trying to DIY everything. It's like, why yes. do I need to look at the numbers? Like, that doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> so, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's like a whole nother episode in itself. Anyway, Tasha, at the end of each episode, I have a bunch of questions that I ask all of my guests. So, my first question for you is what advice would you give to your pre business self? Oh, my pre-business self. Um, Get your systems together in the beginning because once you have a larger business, it's so much harder to go back and to shore up all the systems that you missed the first time. Yes. (laughs) I can imagine, especially with such a big team, like one system that's not working would just be like this constant stone in your shoe, basically. Yeah. Well, because like we were working so hard on, you know, other, our our clients' SOPs, their standard operating Mm. procedures and internal systems that a year ago I looked and I was like, we don't actually have any internal SOPs for the launch guild, you know? So we worked really hard last year on that. And now it's a totally different story, but it was so hard to go back and document all those things while we were also trying to serve all of our clients. I can imagine. Definitely. What has been your biggest oops moment in business so far? Oh gosh. Um, Biggest (laughs) oops moment. I think undercharging was definitely my biggest Mm. oops moment. Um, Yeah. I majorly undercharged first when I was just starting out. And then also when I turned to an agency model, um, I was trying to stay like competitive on the price side. So I was undercharging, but then it didn't make any sense because I wasn't making any money off of my business, you know, so definitely that. Oh, such a common one as well. I think uh, I definitely did that when I first started out and I'm sure so many of my listeners are as well. Tasha, what has been your biggest growth moment? My biggest growth moment has definitely been um, building this agency and, and, and stepping into really stepping into the role of CEO and the leader of my team. Um, and also knowing when to step out of the day to day in my business. So yeah, that's, that's been a a hard, but very exciting leadership experience. What is, so I'm, I'm just curious there, what has stepping into that CEO role looked like for you? Yeah. So a lot of it has meant um, not doing as much client-facing work, so not being in the day-to-day. And also what we're starting to pull me out of is like even kickoff calls with clients and things like that. Um, And really my focus is really going to be on like the strategy, the sales calls, uh, the vision of the business moving forward, you know, all the marketing pieces, those sorts of things, and getting out of as much of the day-to-day as possible. But it's really difficult because it's not, it, it's not stuff that I hate. It's stuff that I love doing. It's just not the seat that I'm in anymore. So that's, that's yeah. a hard transition. 
And it's, I, I guess if you're doing that, then it's holding you back from growth and exactly. it's preventing you from doing those, you know, the higher level stuff that only you can do. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's something I'm struggling with at the moment as well. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. All right. Last question. Who or what inspires you? Uh, um, I think my mom definitely inspires me. Aww. I know that that's like, I know. I love that. But I, she's, she's an amazing woman who, she was a teacher for 42 years at the exact same school wow. for 42 years. And she just like, she puts these little nuggets to just remind me. She always says like, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the cross, which I Aww. love. Um, and she, she's my biggest cheerleader. Like she comes to all of my webinars. Like I do a webinar monthly <laughs> and she comes to every single one. And she's just so wonderful. So definitely my mom. Oh, that is, I love that. That's so cute. Uh, Tasha, where can our listeners find out more about you and the Launch Guild? Yeah, so you can find me at thelaunchguild.com. You'll find all of my social media there. I hang out a lot on Instagram. It's like one of my favorite places. So definitely come hang out with me. Yes. And what about your monthly webinars? I'm intrigued. Where can they find these? Yeah, so that you can find at tashabooth.com. Um, I do a monthly masterclass is what we're calling them for uh, all of 2020. And it's just like one business, like diving into one piece of your business each month. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Tasha. You've been a wonderful fountain of wisdom on Uh, all things launching. And it's so good to chat about launching with somebody else who gets it. I love it. Totally. (laughs) Thank you. 